It's interesting to me the way, you know, when some of these, not everything, you, you had a lot of crap back in the day, but certain big projects, you know, they, they took the time and the money to make it look good. And it does look, it still looks good. You know, the yes. Lord of the Rings to this day, should Gollum still look as good as he does after 20 years? I, it's I mean, weird to think that that is a 20-year-old effect. Than some of the things they do now. And I think it, it's it's completely down to the time and the care that the artists are allowed to spend on this stuff. Oh, that's very true. They're not given the budgets or the time that they once were. The, the turnaround on these things, when you're trying to put out like four, three or four Marvel movies a year plus shows, it's yeah. crazy. I had heard a notion that... Um, cutting back on this all this serious stuff and if you got to have disney plus content just doing specials and just focus all of what you're doing on that little like maybe movie length project again that would be focus i don't know disney has it in their mind that they have to just pump out everything oh robert robert rodriguez i was i was gonna say uh, along those lines like uh, in his alito movie mm-hmm. they built that set you know, at least as much as they could. And then CGI assisted on his uh, studio lot he has. And it really helps, I think. Oh, yeah. Like if you have something physical present that you can interact with, it goes a long way. I don't... So making that world feel real. I can understand uh, maybe from a logistical standpoint of, okay, we have this screen that we can make Mm -hmm. anything on uh, and that'll solve a lot of problems if you can't go anywhere to i understand that sometimes a... for budget reasons or pandemic reasons or whatever mm-hmm. you gotta do what you gotta do it's a marvelous piece of technology i don't think that it is applicable in every instance though i remember hearing an effects guy talk about how he didn't like it so much because you know you couldn't explode things like you would on like a real set because there was this fear of you know damaging the, <laughs> the technology <laughs> <laughs> and that certainly goes that's certainly an effect too especially if you're doing a lot of action set pieces and things that are supposed to explode mm-hmm. like, oh, well that's nine million dollars down the drain just because we have to repair mm-hmm, some bolts mm-hmm. and <laughs> and suddenly your entire set's gone yes that's a wrap until march when we can get this repaired there's something that I mentioned before. It's a wonderful documentary on Industrial Light and Magic and how it got started and the various projects that it worked on, not just Star Wars, but, you know, they did the, the Star Trek movie. They did, yes. they did E.T. They, they opened up to Lucas's friends, especially Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg practically lived at Industrial Light and Magic while his movies were being made. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed the process there of people coming together and trying to solve problems as far as disney plus and the new content goes like um i've seen one episode of uh mandalorian (laughs) and one episode (laughs) of boba fett and then i watched the animated thing we discussed so that's that it's definitely like like you keep up with that stuff because you love star wars right i think i love the idea of star wars more than i enjoy star wars itself now 
I'm just there. Star Wars, just so, something that's happened in Star Wars holds a place in your heart, right? Yes, and yes. and that's why you kind of keep up with it, hoping for that you know next that turnaround. Yeah, it's like yeah, oh yeah. okay, finally this is going to be. And good. that's that's me with like the Paramount Star Trek stuff. Is I just you know oh. even if it's just one moment in like an awful season of Picard. If it, if it's just some some interaction between Picard and Q that I like, and I'm like, I'm okay, huh, I'll take that. <laughs> that's terrible. That's terrible that that's what these have become. I did get a little teary eyed toward the end of Picard season two. <laughs> you know, he and uh, Picard they have a moment toward the end. You know, they're like old friends, and and he uses his last bit of power to fix everything. So. It was kind of nice. <laughs> it was kind of nice. It was like a lot of a lot of garbage to get there, but <laughs> in these shows, there are a lot of interesting problems that the writers have to solve. Mostly because the writers got themselves into the problems in the first place by being terrible at the job. It frustrates me. That's why I wasn't able to to carry on with Picard, and why mm-hmm. I hated myself for continuing with boba fett and the series <laughs> that's what we just we love something about this and we maybe yeah. hope to get that back i guess i think that that is a big part of it i don't think it's just nostalgia i think it's that we we know that the groundwork is solid for these characters and the stories that they can tell and the potential for ongoing interesting adventures and things I don't they already got me hooked for that. season three. I'm 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 excited to get get Worf again. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about Worf being a pacifist that just strikes me the wrong way. If you look at his his uh, career throughout the next generation, it was a lot of getting his ass kicked. So <laughs> is it that surprising? <laughs> <laughs> he became a pacifist because he just he's just tired of losing. <laughs> Oh no! For, for Worf, <laughs> I love Michael Dorn's performance. Yes, yeah. Oh, uh, that is a guy who has gravitas and can enter a room and take command of mm-hmm. whatever situation is going on. He's my favorite Star Trek character. When I was younger, mine was Riker. Riker, really? You and the three other fans? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jonathan Frakes. I didn't mean that. He yeah. directed the best. He directed the best uh, Next Generation movie. So, <laughs> you give him that. When when I got to know Q, then Q became my favorite character. Mm. I do like Q, and yeah, I like Q. I like that he sort of has a correct connection to the original series. Once I grew to appreciate that. There's a character that is oh. not Q, but is very much like a Q in an episode, and I think. In sort of the the outside of the canon novels and things, it's kind of been confirmed that he was a Q. Okay, that's interesting. It, the guy even almost kind of looks like Q. <laughs> you remember, it was an episode where they got pulled down to a planet and this guy, this very childlike, mischievous guy was creating all these magical scenarios. And he ended up being like this child of these godlike creatures that all you ever heard were the voices of, and they were like, "We sorry, you know, he he uh, he did all this to you. He's he's just a kid," and they uh, fixed everything. Oh no, I don't remember that. I remember. I think it's called the 
Choir of Gothos? I don't, I could be totally wrong. I'm probably just, I don't, I don't, I don't remember enough about the original series to be quoting titles. So edit that out. <laughs> you know, my girls, they love My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. They absolutely, they hate the new version of oh, My yeah, Little Ponies. Yeah. But, but they love the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. And I was watching episodes with them one day and there's a character called Discord who is voiced John by John Delancey. <laughs> and he's basically Q. He does everything that Q does, but as this creature of, of disharmony. And <laughs> Oh my God. You want to know what a big nerd I am? It's really fun. It's fun to see him do that. I am such a nerd that the title of the episode I was telling you about is The Squire of Gothos. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Well, I should right, never. I should not doubt myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what you're talking about. Come on. Hey, um, I was gonna say actually. Now that we've we've uh, mentioned Star Trek, you were talking about industrial light and magic. And if you want a mm -hmm. a good example of the quality work they were doing, watch Star Trek and then watch Star Trek Five, <laughs> where they suddenly <laughs> aren't the ones doing the effects and it's all crap. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah they were. Of course, the go-to effects studio. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think just we're not available. So poor yeah. William Shatner. <laughs> was that the one that he wrote and directed? That was the one that he directed. And from what I've heard, yeah, he had a huge part in sort of the inception of the, the story. It being about the Enterprise searching for God. Um, his original version, I think, was going to be a lot more, I think, religious you know, they were maybe going to meet actual God by the end of it, not this sort of like poser creature. Well, they had met Apollo and Zeus, hadn't they? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but then we're getting into like Marvel, like, you know, are the Asgardians like gods or are they? <laughs> are they just just this what long life, humanity has you know, based yeah. their gods off of? <laughs> I'm, I make fun of Star Trek Five. I'm always quoting it. So. <laughs> Bring it to me so that I might join with it <laughs> a, oh. what does god need with a starship <laughs> i just heard that reminds me of uh future i love that i love that scene when i was a kid because it was just like holy crap <laughs> when bender uh becomes a god to these people as he's floating through space and, and he meets god he's like oh i was god once <laughs> oh yes <laughs> nice. and he did pretty well until everybody died john dimaggio i saw his name in a cast list recently i'm like oh, oh it's bender great it's yeah, bender, bender and jake so many other characters oh yeah jake jake he's one of the few pop figures i've kept <laughs> i kept them because i've got this uh i've got a finn figure from the actual figure line but then i oh. hated the jake figure they made and like the pop figure almost looks better oh okay yeah he's one of those voice actors who's mm -hmm. been in everything and Final Fantasy fantastic. X. <laughs> <laughs> Final Fantasy X. He was Waka. Oh, you're right. Oh, oh, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a while since I played Final Fantasy X, but it's been forever. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was fun. That was a fun game. I got a good chunk of the way through it, and then I I experienced my first kidney stone and just. Oh. Could not could not enjoy anything for about a month. <laughs> so I got, I got out of it. And by the time I got back in, I was like, you know, if you ever stop playing something like that and you forget all the little ins and outs of what you're doing, it's hard to, I feel like it's hard to jump back in. <laughs> I think with like any board game though, like, like, 
oh, let's play this board game. And I have to read the instructions for 10 minutes and then I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this seems like work. And I just played Uno. Okay. <laughs> By yourself, you know, you'll win. There you go. Ah, and that Venture Brothers movie. Will it ever come out now? I now we've got the whole so. HBO Max Discovery merger crap and they're saying they're going to uh, delete like what two billion dollars more content so does it stand a chance even uh, a lot of studios are either eliminating or consolidating their various animation departments i'm just hoping that it's so cheap <laughs> like i think the series probably was anyway okay that it doesn't it's just not even worth trying to cancel <laughs> there's no way that we can't make money off of this because mm -hmm. we paid nothing into it. Right, right. And it doesn't matter like how much they see, you know, scripts done. We've recorded the voices they're animating. It. it doesn't matter because you've already heard they're canceling like big movies at midway through production. Yeah, that's true. Or refusing to release movies that have been completed. <laughs> I just don't know if I could stand it. I mean, it's one thing for the show to just end and to end on sort of a, you know, not exactly a series finale type moments, because I kind of always expected that the way the show ran, you know, the way it would go away for a couple of years and then maybe come back. <laughs> I was like, if they don't end this on their own terms, eventually it's just going to get cut off. <laughs> and so it did. But now that we've virtually been promised a film finale, just break my heart it, it would be nice to have certainly you would wonder if if they could do that if they could pull that off with like the uh, whole 20 minute format they're more used to but they had three hour-long specials over the course of the show and two of them were perfect two of them are some of my favorite episodes one i didn't love so much when i first watched <laughs> what, what are the two that you're thinking of uh, the first one was literally the, the season four finale. So season four was the first uh, season where they changed from 13 episodes to they gave them like a 16 episode order. Mm -hmm. And the last episode, that 16th episode was an hour long. I think in TV time that comes out to about like 45 minutes or something. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was Operation Prom. I don't know if you remember. It's the one where they, yes. they I love yes. it. I love it so much. <laughs> The music at the end is so perfect when Brock's like, you know, he, he's just discovered that it's there's not going to be anything between him and uh, Molotov. And he's mm -hmm. he's decided to head back to rescue the Avengers one more time. And it's just it's it's so good. And I, I remember when I was watching it, I was like, if this is the series finale, this this is fine. Yeah, <laughs> it can end like that. Thank you for joining us in the dimension of our Midnight Cape. We hope you'll visit us again. From myself, Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug, thank you, and good night.